With the first pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Detroit Pistons select Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State University. You're listening to Rick Camp on 670 The Score, Chicago's sports station. I'm broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. I am Rick Camp. I'm here with you until around 10 o'clock. And Rick Camp in studio. Fact, I am in studio. It's nice to be in the studio, although I work You Better You Bet every day from uh, 2 to 6 Central. And uh, so I was just able to make the nice stroll to the next door over to the Score Studio to be able to prep and do this show with you tonight. 312-644-6767's number. Let's run down what's happened so far. The top 10 is in the books of the NBA draft. You heard the cut right there. Sean Anderson producing tonight. He's going to be helping out with getting the audio and also any breaking news that happens because Lord knows there's plenty of it on the baseball side with the trade deadline tomorrow on the NBA side with what could be happening tonight. You heard Kate Cunningham go number one for those that I'll try and do something real brief on each of these guys to give you an idea. If you haven't been keeping up with the draft process and say hey, the bulls don't pick till 38. Kate Cunningham's a stud. I mean, he is a guy that might not be the most elite athlete in the world, but when it comes to getting to his spots, being a really good passer, someone that just understands tempo and how to control an offense and manipulate the defense with what he does. That's Cade Cunningham. Like he is a wing lead ball handler. He can be a secondary ball handler too. He shoots well enough in college. Some people said, well, he didn't look that great. His team around him sucked. If I'm just putting it bluntly, he had nobody that could shoot a college three better than 33%. So his assist numbers were down a little bit and he was kind of forced to do everything for them. So with that little bit of space, his turnover numbers were probably boosted a little bit higher than they actually, than he actually deserved. So he is a, you know, knock it out of the park pick for the Detroit Pistons to add some real talent. And they've got a nice young core working right now with Cade Cunningham, uh, Jeremy Grant's a little bit older, but he's a guy to help get them by right now with Sadiq Bay, with Isaiah Stewart. They've got some nice pieces working in Detroit. Houston took Jalen Green. He spent the year with the G League Ignite, kind of the first year of that, playing against adults, playing against the G League in the bubble that they had. And he was able to put together over 18 points a game against adults when he had never played at the college level or anything like that. He's a guy that heard described by, I believe it was Chad Ford, NBABigBoard.com, and formerly a draft guy for ESPN, Zach Levine athleticism with Bradley Beal's game. That's a showstopper. That's kind of a superstar. And then the Cleveland Cavaliers in the Bulls division again, take Evan Mobley, the center from USC, who can be a factor on both ends of the floor, probably going to start his career playing some of the four with Jared Allen, possibly at the five in the first hour with Chuck Swirsky. You heard him mention that as well. And those three guys, especially one, that's how the draft was, you know, everybody figured was going to fall. Those are three guys that almost universally are considered in most years would be a number one overall pick. So that just shows how deep the top of this draft is. And that two of those guys are in the Bulls division now. So things get real. And after that third pick, things got wacky. The Toronto Raptors took Scotty Barnes 
from Florida State. You heard Chuck talk about him, about how good defensively and offensively he can be. The big thing with him, don't know if he's ever going to shoot the ball well enough to be respected as a shooter. So that's something that's really going to hinder him a little bit. But the fact that Toronto wanted him over Jalen Suggs, the point guard from Villanova, really says something about how, about how they trust their development process and also what they believe Barnes can do. The Orlando Magic said, Jalen Suggs is going to fall to us. Yes, we will take Jalen Suggs. Jalen Suggs can be a force of nature as a point guard. Really physical. He'll get up into your chest. He can make the plays offensively. He can get into you defensively. A really, really good player that some, and especially one that I, I respect a lot, Sam Vecini from The Athletic, thinks also could be a number one overall pick in a lot of drafts. The Oklahoma City Thunder was kind of thought more often than not that they were going to look at James Booknight from UConn at number six, but Lee Ellis from The Athletic reported that something medical came up with him, and that's why he's still on the board as we're outside the top 10 now, and they ended up taking Josh Giddy, who was a wing from Australia, that really impressive passer, another guy that you have to wonder what his shot is going to be as that develops. Golden State was fascinating because you thought maybe based on who they pick at seven, would indicate if they had a deal done for someone like Ben Simmons or Bradley Beal or whoever. Clearly not done. Earlier today, the GM slash president of basketball operations for the Warriors, Bob Myers, was on 95-7 the game in San Francisco and gave this quote, which really should have made it pretty obvious to people that their pick, Jonathan Kaminga from the G League uh, Ignite team, would be in play for them. He said, quote, Things are happening really fast now in the NBA. You used to have three- to four-year windows. We have that. That's not the case anymore. We have to think about the future. Jonathan Kaminga is was obviously went from high school to that G League program, started out really good, and then fell off. There were some DeMar DeRozan comps for him. Good athlete, maybe not a elite, elite athlete, can create his own shot and maybe is a little lackadaisical defensively. Orlando, with the pick from the Bulls, took Franz Wagner from Michigan at number eight. Franz Wagner, really good defensively, has a lot of work to do offensively. And then at nine, the surprise of the draft so far, the Sacramento Kings took Davion Mitchell. And the reason he's more of a surprise, A, because they took Halliburton before. They took Halliburton last year. They already have De'Aaron Fox, who's on his second contract. So to take another guard, and especially one that's older, over 22 years old, is a little bit surprising for the Kings. And now Charlotte has just made their pick, and they stopped the slide for James Booknight from UConn, which is interesting because when you consider Charlotte has LaMelo Ball, Charlotte has Terry Rozier, maybe they have Devontae Graham. I think this pick kind of signals that Devontae Graham, who's a restricted free agent, is not going to be part of Charlotte's future. But just the ability to play three guards, a lot of like what Charlotte did before, is fascinating. And book night falling was probably something they didn't necessarily expect. And just taking, as Chuck said before, as he would do if he was a GM, best player available. So that's where we are. Whew, through 11 picks of the NBA draft, the San Antonio Spurs are on the clock. 312 3-1-2, 6-4-4, 6-7-11, on the text line, what do you want to see the Bulls do this offseason? Not necessarily in the draft tonight. If the draft is involved in your plan, cool. 
But how do you want them to attack the offseason? Because clearly winning in the short term is a priority. Once the Bulls made the trade for Nikola Vucevic, that changed things. And there's, I mentioned before the break that there was a cut that I want to play. And I want to play it before we hit this time out and talk to Cody Westerling because I think it sets the table really well. On, I believe it was Sunday, Zach Lowe and Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, they did a draft special. And part of that was talking about free agency a little bit and how that shapes the draft. So what they did is there was a little bit of stuff they still had on the, that was on the cutting room floor that they wanted to do. So after the show aired on ESPN, they went on YouTube and did a little bit extra and they focused on the Bulls and listen how they talk about not just the Bulls in general, but how important it is for them to win in the short term. I want to go back to Chicago for a second because I think it was kind of an under-talked-about story at the end of last season. They put in a lot of draft equity and Wendell Carter Jr., who's, I think, a decent NBA player, to get Vucevic, didn't make the play-in tournament. Couldn't even make the play-in tournament in the East. Now, Zach Levine was in health and safety protocols. That was a huge deal that really hurt their season. But I think it hasn't been talked about enough that this is a team that's under pressure to win next year. They have to get in the playoffs next year. They have to make a leap next year. And when you look at their core, it's they don't have this giant hawksy young core of guys. And that's why the Lonzo thing is so interesting to me. Are they going to be able to get him out and out in free agency? Is it going to cost them Lowry Markinen, which is a name like you barely hear anymore? He that that was the rumored deal was Lonzo that, for Markinen. That was the what, deal. What, they what talked is going to happen in Chicago? Because they need to put together a team. They're they're alarmingly dependent right now on guys like Thad Young and Tomas Sadoransky. They need to fill out this roster. Yeah, and you just mentioned Sadoransky. That's a player that there's there's a lot of interest in him there, and I think especially very good teams see him as a guy who can just fit in uh, and play a role. Yeah, this is an important summer. For this Bulls team, and I think Billy Donovan, Mark Eversley, their GM, and of course Arturis Karnishevis, their president, trying to figure out what what the right mix of players looks like. This was a team that was playing really fast last year, and then you trade for Vucevic, and it slows down a little bit. And I think, listen, he's a great. You can play a lot of offense through him. They've got to figure out, and and playmaking was certainly you know a big part of that. I think this is a team that. They've got to figure out their identity. They've got to get a playmaker to run it. And the Vucevic trade sped up oh, the pressure on this team to not just, like you said, not just be able to get in the play-in, but they think they should have a team here now that is a perennial Eastern Conference contender. They're still a ways away from that. And we forget things like this, but another guy that went out in that trade was Otto Porter, who the Bulls didn't give up a ton for Otto Porter. It was Jabari Parker and Bobby Portis, who now feels like a ton because he's fresh off the final stage. And Otto Porter just didn't work out. He he was right. part of their core. He was the the big three that they wanted. And those things just keep rippling into the future. And we saw how Daniel Gafford played with the Wizards. He was a find for that Washington team. Yeah, there's that's fascinating because we all knew that the Vucevic trade sped up the timeline. But to the degree that they're talking about is like flashing red lights of there's a lot of work to do in a short time, and I don't know that the Bulls have the capital to do it. I think it's really interesting. And one thing that Zach Lowe mentioned in there that we talk about, I know I talked about on post game, and, you know, throughout hits on the score, whether it was with Lawrence Holmes or with, or with Dan and Layla is 
how dependent the Bulls were on the vets. That's something that it's one thing to be a young team and be relying on the young players, and they're the ones that are producing a good amount of what's happening. But for the Bulls, it was Thad Young, and it was you know Sato having good games here and there. I mean, that was a lot of their production that didn't come from Zach Levine, and obviously Vooch once he was into the fold. And Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice was gigantic for them. So that's stuff that you all have to to keep in mind because pending how the Bulls want to structure their offseason, they might not have a lot of those guys back. If if you're in the camp of let's get, let's for sake of argument, Lonzo Ball, like he was mentioned in the cut, to get to that type of cap space, you pretty much got to get rid of everybody. So all the guys that are that are iffy or guys that have guaranteed contracts coming up on August 1st, the Bulls have to decide, do they want to guarantee the contract of Thad Young and Tomas Sadoransky? And if they want to pick up the team option on Ryan, option on Ryan Archie Diacono, then you have guys like Tice that'll probably have a market out there. Like there's, there's a lot of stuff going on, and that's why I'm excited to talk with Bulls, uh, Bulls reporter for the scores, Cody Westerland next, because we're going to go over all of that. Maybe not as much draft with him, but Bulls overall offseason. As the Spurs pick is in at number 12, we'll update you on that when we get back here on 670, the score. I do believe in this group. I do love being around these guys. They were wonderful to work with, but we have to get better and we have to get a lot better. And we got to get better competitively. We got to get better in terms of our turnovers. We got to get better uh, in our fouling. We got to get better uh, defense. We have to get better. Now, do I believe they can get better? Absolutely. But we have to do it. And I I don't want to sit there and say, hey, this is this, this is that, this is where we need to put the work in. And I think, like our tourist said, and I agree with this statement a thousand percent, we can't skip steps. That's Bulls head coach Billy Donovan. They don't want to skip steps, they know they can't. But they've got to start winning right now. So that's interesting. I don't know how much sense that makes. Let's go out to the Circa Resort and Casino's hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And welcome in Bulls reporter for 670 The Score. And the man that has the job that nobody envies of being the primary editor of everybody's stuff that they send to him on 670thescore.com, Cody Westerland. And as someone that started writing in the last few months, I can only imagine how not enviable of a job being the editor is. But, Cody, we thank you for that, and thanks for making time tonight. It's it's a great job, Campy. It just gets really busy when the MLB trade deadline, an NBA draft, and NFL free agency fall within 24 hours. That's the only thing I would note. This is like an unprecedented event on the sports calendar. Yeah, today is the Elmo gif. Pretty like, much. <laughs> it's just this fire in the background. The arms are up because everything is happening. So with the Bulls at 38, we're not we're not going to touch that because, I mean, we're so far away. And obviously this has been pretty, kind of crazy, unexpected draft so far as it is. But you heard Billy Donovan coming back. And obviously from what we've heard from him and Arturis Karnaschovas and just this offseason in general, uh, there's a lot of ways the Bulls can attack it in terms of trying to clear out cap space or trying to bring most guys back and being an over-the-cap team. I mean, do you have a way that you think they should operate 
and then a way that you think they will operate? Well, I would probably extend the qualifying offer to Lowry Markkinen still just to retain the rights to to use him and retain the rights as an asset, whether that's in a sign-and-trade or uh, if everything falls apart on the sign-and-trade front, um, bring him back at a small price next year or renounce him later in free agency, for example, when you do have your other targets. So um, I would think that this weekend, I think it's more likely that they obviously give Markkinen a qualifying offer, which is step one towards operating over the salary cap, right? Um, so at that point, I think the Bulls will keep that option open. Like, you can operate over the salary cap until you don't have to anymore. You know, you can renounce a whole bunch of people and open up cap space. It's not like the Bulls have to decide right this second. They can kind of keep options open and everything. So uh, I would think they would try to keep um, the right on some of these guys to push it down the line a little bit later in free agency and chase Lonzo Ball at the start. But that's kind of contingent, Campy, as you know, on, for example, like does Kyle Lowry want to go play for the Pelicans who opened up a bunch of cap space? And if that's the case, then they say goodbye to Lonzo Ball. If not, he's probably their backup option and they have matching rights. So there are so many moving parts here. It's um, incumbent on any front office, the Bulls, everyone in the league to understand and talk with agents of players, you know, um, and get a lay of the landscape, like who wants to go where, what's their kind of priority ranking, where do you fit into that picture? So uh, my expectation is the Bulls are going to make a big run at Lonzo Ball. I think that um, those rumors obviously started, got really heated up at the trade deadline last March and didn't come to fruition as the Bulls kind of just pivoted and went and got Nikola Vucevic from the Magic instead. But they still need a point guard. They still seem to like Lonzo Ball. To me, he fits well um, with this backcourt, with Zach Levine, with this team, um, and would help. I know he's not 100% traditional point guard like we just watched Chris Paul in the NBA Finals or anything, but I, I think that's the road the Bulls will take first, is probably prioritizing him at this point. You can follow Cody on Twitter at his name, Cody Westerland. So... Do you think Lonzo Ball is the Bulls' top target? Because initially when we started hearing buzz, it felt like it was more Rich Paul throwing it out there to try and get him to Chicago or New York. And then the Bulls did make the run at the deadline offering Markinen, but we don't necessarily know exactly what all else New Orleans was asking for, but the Bulls balked at that. Is it as much the Bulls wanting him, or is it, you know, Rich Paul getting it into the bloodstream, and then we all just assume that he's their top priority. Well, I would think that Lonzo Ball wants to be in a big market, knowing that family, you know what I mean? Knowing that history and background. Um, and obviously his dad's taken much more of a backseat here in recent years than early in his career when he's in college and such. But like, um, that's certainly on the table. So like, peel away, you know, the speculation and the leaks and what an agent does and what his job is and, and to get him as much money as he can in big markets. The fact was that the Bulls were still seriously engaged with the Pelicans on Lonzo Ball, and that was real. And everything we know is that the Pelicans wanted some draft compensation in addition to Lowry Markkinen, which makes a lot of sense because right now Lonzo Ball is a lot better NBA player than Lowry Markkinen, and his value is a lot higher. So you can understand why the Pelicans were in that situation. But um, you go back to that if you do strip it down to the facts the Bulls had interest in him and we know they have a glaring need um, at point guard. And we've talked about this before, but like Zach Levine can initiate just fine in the half court. You know what I mean? Um, he's fine being the lead ball handler and lead playmaker in a pick and roll a lot. 
but he needs more guys on this team that can connect the offense, that can pass the ball really well, that can spot up and shoot. And I think Lonzo fills a lot of those holes. So I think when you're kind of reading the tea leaves too, to me, he fits better than a DeJounte Murray, who we've heard the Bulls have interest in, in the rumor mill for the San Antonio Spurs. Like he just doesn't shoot the ball well enough, in my opinion, for him to be number one on the Bulls board at this point. I don't think Dennis Schroeder um, is a great fit for the Bulls. I think he would make them better. He would make them better, but probably to me, he would make them better in the regular season. I think in the playoffs we saw uh, that didn't work out very well for him with the Lakers this year. People still go under screens sometimes on him. I think Ball is just a little bit better long-term fit. So, so I just think when you add it all up, that's why he would be their number one priority on the board, assuming they're looking at that age range, you know, restricted free agents, guys in their young 20s, mid 20s, stuff like that, rather than going out to left field. I mean, the Bulls could still obviously open up a ton of cap space and try to sign a veteran point guard like Kyle Lowry um, with Chris Paul kind of having some stuff with the Suns uncertain there. Like there are going to be Mike Conley out of Utah going to be veteran free agents, um, point guards on the market. But I, I just don't see that as much as I see a pursuit Alonzo Ball. One thing that came about right before the draft today, and mind you, I also don't know how much stock I put into this. You had Chris Mannix of SI reporting that OKC is trying to get a deal done for Kemba Walker tonight. You also had the OKC writer for SI and Forbes, Nick Crane, saying to keep an eye on the Bulls and Kemba Walker. Now that's that's a spicy meatball contract-wise, but you would assume the Bulls would get back at least one first-round pick in a deal for Kemba Walker with two years and $73 million left on a contract. Does that sound feasible to you at all? Because normally I would say absolutely not, especially as you mentioned the age timeline, but considering what it seems like is the the mandate to get a lot better right now, do you think that's feasible? Yeah, I do think it's feasible. Again, if we're ranking these, I think it's closer to the bottom. Like if the Bulls strike out on all these other things and they feel pressure to win now, um, I think that is feasible, certainly, if you attach um, some draft assets and, and help the Bulls rebuild that that draft equity that they gave up to the Magic to get Vucevic. Now, I don't like it because, um, and it's not Kemba Walker's talent so much as it is just these constant knee problems. I don't know how much you could count on him, you know what I mean? Um, and that leaves you really, really in trouble in the backcourt. If you're the Bulls, like your defensive backcourt would have huge problems because Kemba's on the smaller side when it comes to defending. So to me, that would read as a desperation move just to get the eight seed, right? Can't be like Kemba Walker would go a long way to helping you get into the playoffs, but then um, you're really tying your hands for what you can do next year in the offseason. Like you said, it's about $36 million per year um, on his contract for two more years. So like, I don't really think there's anything in a one-year window that's a terrible contract, but when you got two years and $72 million or $3 million, like you said, on it, that that's a lot because that does hamper you for two years, and I don't think it would work out like they envision. You know what I mean? Like He's, he's just not going to be able to give you enough defensively, and the problem with this team, in addition to those injury concerns, the problem with this team, again, we go back to this, they've lacked – two-way players like you Mm -hmm. go through their roster so much these recent years you know Denzel Valentine offensive-minded guy didn't provide much on defense Ryan Archidiakono does a great job getting through screens can't really do anything on offense like they have all these players at the fringe of their roster you go back a few years Chris Dunn was supposed to be their answer at point guard 
just had nothing offensively when it came to getting into the paint and finishing consistently and having a feel for kicking out to your teammates, but was an absolute tenacious defender. So at some point, this organization, and again, they just added Vucevic too at the trade deadline, offensive-minded guy who has big defensive challenges, they have to put their attention on getting guys who are better balanced two-way basketball players. I think uh, Lonzo Ball is more of that, um, obviously, than Kemba Walker would be in some of these other names um, we've gone through here. So uh, that's why I don't think the Kemba Walker thing um, makes sense. I don't think it's um, likely at all by any means, but like you're asking, is it in the realm of play? Like, anything's in the realm of play now depending on how much pressure this front office feels and we're going to find out in the next week how much pressure they feel to get this team back to the playoffs and what that means um, in many regards because again they already hedged towards going more veteran when they added Vucevic and got rid of two first round picks and Wendell Carter so like they've already taken a small step but I think Kemba Walker would be a step too far on that front. Speaking with Cody Westerlin he covers the Bulls for 670 the score and I'm trying to put together for, for myself, like, what is the expectation in terms like winning is such a generic term is to your knowledge, or at least what you, you would, what you assume is the level of winning needed to be a successful season upcoming, getting a top six seed in the East. Is it just getting into the play in at this point? Because in the last segment, we listened to a clip from the Woj and Low uh, draft special where they mentioned, listen, when they traded for Vucevic, they sped up that timeline and they put the pressure on themselves in terms of the Bulls' front office. But I don't know how they're getting markedly better outside of development from within and especially looking at, at Patrick Williams. So what is, to your knowledge, that bar for winning to be an, to have an acceptable season? Uh, no doubt, I think it's top eight in the East. Get into those final eight in the playoffs. Like, uh, there's no more wasting time here. You don't, you don't add Vooch and and listen to what some of these guys say on the record and and behind the scenes too, and be like, oh yeah, getting into the playoffs and just just ha- getting into the play in. Excuse me, getting into the play ins any sort of success next year. That's not a success by any means whatsoever. When you add an All Star center and mortgage your future, so uh, it's got to be in the top eight. Like, I mean, I think honestly, you look at the. The, the East next year, 76ers, Nets, and Bucks should still be at um, right there at the top. We saw the Hawks take huge strides this year. Like It feels like those four in the Heat are always going to be there, and it might be a toss-up after that a little bit more. So, like, I mean, if you're the Bulls, I think if you're looking at this realistically, I think, like, getting to a sixth seed, maybe having the type of year that the New York Knicks had this year, uh, this past year, where you really surprise someone, and get into like that four or five matchup, I think that might be a bridge too far. But, you know, have excitement in the playoffs, play a competitive first round series, have confidence going into that, have a successful regular season. Like it's more than just landing the nine seed and, you know, being tied in the eight, nine matchup or something to get into the eight seed with a minute to go in the game or something. This team needs to throw show big strides um, because of what they did again at the trade deadline. They sped it up like you just mentioned. And that was their choice. And they didn't have to do that because they had the choice to build on the timeline uh, of Zach Levine, which they kind of chose, or the timeline of Patrick Williams by keeping first-round picks. And they could have added someone tonight, um, you know, with the number eight pick or so that was more on Patrick Williams' timeline, that was more on Kobe White's timeline. But they didn't choose to do that. So 
Um, I'm looking, I'm looking at something, you know, the six range. I mean, you, once you get to seven, you're still in the play in at this point, but like, I think that's a high end reasonable lofty goal for the bulls next year. Um, and I think it's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot more two way players. Um, it's going to take some of these guys buying in and it's going to take a lot more health than they had. So uh, I think the foundation certainly is there to, to get in the playoffs next year, but this team has just been, seems so star crossed between the injuries and some of the self-inflicted wounds and, just kind of some of the puzzling decisions last year and over the last few years. Um, they need to take care of that point guard spot somehow um, and then make a little bit more of a run. I work a betting show now, so this is kind of the way I think of things. Is the Bulls core over or under three and a half players in your mind? Oh, right now, I would probably say under. I mean, I got to think. Like, well, we got Patrick Williams right here. I mean, mm-hmm. I think you throw Kobe White certainly in the Bulls core at this moment. So I guess I go over four can or over three and a half. Cause if, if, if Vooch and Levine are core members just by stature of their contract and if we're considering core members, you know, in the next couple of years, I guess you have to consider them here. Um, and then I would go Patrick Williams. And then for right now, I, Kobe white, I, I, I liked what he did a lot at the end of last year. I liked how he battled through adversity earlier in the year. Um, I thought he showed a lot of mental toughness, uh, a lot of heart. So I like him, but a core member is probably not going to be traded, right? So I'm thinking this through on the air. And maybe I go with three because they would throw Kobe White, I think, in a trade if it was a really good trade that they liked. So probably right now, three core members can't be. You agree or disagree? I agree. Yeah. I And it's it was mentioned in that same cut that I played before of just – how dependent the Bulls were on the vets, on Thad Young, on Tice, on obviously Vooch when you get him, but that's part of the reason of getting him, that the Bulls' core isn't as big as people necessarily like to think. All right, but- Yeah, and I mean, you could think about it the other way too, right? Like, if it all goes really, really wrong for the first three months of the season, they could flip their veterans and then the course Kobe White and Pat Williams and you're right back to it. But I don't know if you're going to make up enough draft equity that you've sent out or, or, or pivot so quickly. Like that would be a big organizational misstep to, to acquire an all-star center and less than a year later, exactly a year later, start selling all the veterans. You know what I mean? Like that's not what good organizations do. But if that was it, like the realm of possibility then is Patrick Williams or Kobe White, or we're looking at Patrick Williams, Vooch, and, and Zach Levine. So it's probably three right now. Are you sweating any Olympic golf? Uh, yeah, I, I bet an American to win. They had those odds boosts, of course. Um, so uh, I haven't checked the score here since 7 o'clock when the NBA draft came on, but I saw Victor Hovland was doing well. So uh, I was sweating him. So I'm rooting for a guy from Norway or an American to win. So that would be good. I didn't I didn't like the Americans on day one. Everyone was making birdies in it like minus six and minus eight, and all the Americans were making pars in it like minus two. That wasn't good. Follow him on Twitter, at Cody Westerland. Sneaky, maybe not even that sneaky anymore. Really good golf handicapper. So uh, keep an eye out. You should post some of that stuff because you're really, really good with it. I mean, it's a bad week to be saying I'm good at that campy. I'm not I, on track really. Well, to win. I'm not <laughs> saying this week necessarily, but you know, just in general. That's that's true. I'll, I'll give you the tips, and then you can use them as you see fit. Sounds good to me. I like I like money, so you know, that's there's true. that. All right, Cody. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Uh, you know, maybe by the time the night is over, you know, because it's what eight forty, and we just hit the fifteenth pick. 
maybe by midnight, we'll have another bowl. That's true. And we'll have even more so a lot of good information. Maybe not a lot of good information from AK, but we'll have some good questions for AK um, and maybe a little bit feeling of what they want to do here in the coming week. Thanks, man. Appreciate the time. Yep. Thanks. That's Cody Westerlin. Follow him on Twitter at Cody Westerlin. He covers the Bulls for 670thescore.com. Read his work there. And he's also one of the guys that helps make 670thescore.com go. Because- we have some breaking news. Uh, okay. Uh, Woj is reporting that the Oklahoma City are trading pick 16. No details yet. Interesting. So, okay, let's give a quick update on the NBA draft. As it sits right now, as I refresh the page from after we were talking with Cody, So to go from one all the way down, Cade Cunningham to the Pistons, Jalen Green to the Rockets, Evan Mobley to the Cavs, Scotty Barnes to the Raptors, Jalen Suggs to Orlando, Josh Giddy to Oklahoma City at the sixth pick, Jonathan Kaminga to Golden State in the pick that they got in the D'Angelo Russell deal, Franz Wagner of Michigan goes to Orlando with their pick from the Bulls, Davion Mitchell to the Kings. Zaire Williams goes to Memphis. That's the Pelicans pick, but they made the trade a couple days ago. So the Pelicans get the 17th pick and the Grizzlies get the 10th pick. James Booknight, who had a little bit of a fall, goes to the Hornets at 11. Josh Primo, probably the surprise of the first round so far. As a reference point, his betting prop for over-under was at 27 and a half. He went 12th to the San Antonio Spurs. Chris Duarte, the uh, 24-year-old. But really, really good wing goes to Indiana at 13. Moses Moody goes to the Warriors at 14. And Corey Kispert from Gonzaga just went to the Washington Wizards. OKC on the clock at 16. But as Sean, who's producing tonight, just told you, that's going somewhere else. And Houston. It, it's going to Houston per Woj. That's interesting. So for two future first round picks. Houston does have a little bit of ammo from the James Harden trade, so I would imagine those are probably Brooklyn picks moving forward, probably in the short-term Brooklyn picks, while they would feasibly have the big three there. That's pretty fascinating. 312-644-6767. You heard what Cody had to say about the Bulls' offseason and their future. What do you have to say? Give me a call. Text. It's the same number, 312-644-6767. At the top of the hour, We'll talk with Ricky O'Donnell from SB Nation. He's really damn good when it comes to player evaluation and the NBA draft. He can give us thoughts on what's happened so far, what could be coming for the Bulls, and the Bulls offseason as well because he also hosts the Cash Considerations podcast uh, with my buddy Jason Pat. I'm Rick Camp here with you till 10 o'clock on The Score. Booker, the lob for eight. Oh, Jimmy oh, take it away. The Williams. The Paul. He took it. Live it up to the nickname. I mean, Patrick Williams didn't kick that. He swatted that damn thing away. That was maybe the, well, definitely one of the Bulls highlights of the year with the block he had on DeAndre Ayton. We're going to get to Patrick Williams in just a second. The Oklahoma City pick at number 16 that is going to Houston for a couple future firsts because, hey, if you're Oklahoma City, why not pick up another first-round pick? That gives them... What, back up to 36 now? 36 picks in the next six drafts, even after even after taking Josh Giddy at number six. So, sure, why not? And they t- and for Houston, they take Alperin Sengun, 
who was the MVP of the Turkish League, which a lot of people are probably saying, okay, cool. But the Turkish League is probably outside of, if you're talking a one-country league, outside of the ACB in Spain, the next best league. So there's people that have played in the NBA before at certain points in their career that are in that league. So it's not nothing to do that as a teenager. So he's a guy that's really interesting, and obviously Houston prioritized getting him. So that's something really interesting as Houston tries to do their own rebuild that he's going to be there. All right. We're going to talk with Ricky O'Donnell at the top of the hour. But one thing that that I heard in the lead-up to the draft recently, and it was Thaddeus Young, who is one of the smarter guys you'll hear talk about the NBA just in general. But hearing him especially talk about teammates and the, you know, the team that he's around all the time is really interesting. So he was on the Posted Up podcast with Chris Haynes of Yahoo. And he was talking about the Bull, it was talking about the Bulls and all of his business ventures, but then got to Patrick Williams. And I think it's really interesting what he says about a couple different things, about the confidence of Patrick Williams and how he has tried to help him out with that. And then also his importance to the Bulls' success next season. His next step is vital for us as a team, you know, because he because of some of the, the physical attributes that he has. And I was trying to at the end of the season when Zach and Bush didn't play, I was trying to get him to understand, like, look, when they don't play, this is your team. Like, you're going to be here for the next 10, 12 years. Like, you're going to be the one that's going to get a max contract here, that's going to be here, that's going to do the things that the city needs you to do in order to win basketball games. So we start that development today. You know what mm. I'm saying? So he understood. And because I, I always ask him questions like, you know, um, I was like, what pick were you? And he'd be like, I was a four pick. I'd be like, so why are you last in line? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like I try to challenge him each and every day. Love like, it. Love it. Like, like, and like, I, like one of the games I asked him, I said, I said, I said, do you want to be great? He was like, yeah, I want to be great. I said, no, nah, you didn't say that with confidence. I said, do you want to be great? He said, yeah, I want to be great. And I said, <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I said, okay, well, you want to be great. I said, when Zach and Bush don't play, I said, whose team is this? Like, you're supposed to take the next step. Like, yeah. if, if you out there on the court, I said, and they ain't playing, like, this is your team. So, uh-huh. like, you got to show that. Like, and if you start showing that, then they, they going to, them in the front office, I said, they're going to have more confidence in you, and they're going to they're gonna be more than willing to put the ball in your hands at crunch time moment. So see, you just gotta under, he just had to understand that. He's still young. Let's see that. That's why you're going to be playing another six years, man. Just for those, just for those <laughs> pep talks alone right there, man. You got me motivated to go out, go out here and break the story real quick, man. <laughs> well, I, I, well I, I, know, I know from watching him and playing with him, like, how good he can really be. Like, like he gets down on himself a lot, like, like I think we was playing uh, the Clippers and Kawhi dropped like thirty. <laughs> he was mm-hmm. going crazy on us, <laughs> but uh, and he was down about it because you know Kawhi was like, I was like, first of all, I was like, that's Kawhi, man. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. like he gonna Real get talk. his, bro. Like you gonna yeah. have. Like, it's about it's it's, it's a, like it's not about him getting thirty. It's about how he's getting his thirty. Like he had to take this many shots to get thirty points. Like that's mm-hmm. a that's a good day for you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he 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 started he started to understand that a little bit more like about like just making it tough on guys like you're not gonna be able to stop everybody like it's, they, everybody's gonna have a day and you know he he's getting better like he works each and every day um you know and I, I think that as long as he continues to work he's gonna be really really good 
I think that's fascinating from Thad Young. And I think it's something that people that watched a lot of the Bulls games aren't surprised at that, you know, Patrick Williams may need a little bit more of a push to be as assertive as he should be. And it was something that was viewed as a positive in the draft process for him was he gets his role when he has a role. But at times when you need him to be the dude, he's got to be more willing to step up and be the dude and not be as worried about stepping on guys' toes, especially if you think about some of the second units the Bulls had when he was the main guy out there, when Zach Levine was off the floor, and then after the deadline when Zach or uh, Nikola Vucevic were off the floor. Like, those are times where he has to assert himself, look for his shot, and then as he proves himself, he will then get defenses respecting him more. Then he can kick out to other guys because he does have that ability. There were times where he'd be in the short roll around the free throw line, getting that ball after setting a screen and he could kick it out to one of the corners and he was pretty good at it. He has that ability because he is so versatile. So I think it's really interesting to hear that from Thad. And I don't necessarily view that as much of a negative. It's just like, yeah, dude, this is you. When I was talking with Cody, we said, what is the Bulls' core? And the only ones we could definitely say are Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic, and him. You are a core player and possibly the future of this team at the moment. Have to act like it to a point. 312-644-6767 the number. Call in with your thoughts on what the Bulls should do this offseason. Text in as well. Also, just a reminder for those that have maybe been in work late, haven't seen it, have not been on social media, Anthony Rizzo is a Yankee, traded for two prospects. Earlier, we played the conversation that he had with Bruce Levine after the deal, reflecting on his time with the Cubs. So, willing to take those texts as well, 312-644-6767. We're going to take a time out, come back, speak with Ricky O'Donnell from SB Nation fantastic when it covers when it comes to covering the draft so he can we can talk with him about what's happened so far in the first half of the first round of the NBA draft also what he expects from the Bulls this offseason and possibilities at number 38 I'm Rick Camp here with you until 10 o'clock on the score